This podcast is part of the Shareable Podcast Network. Learn more at shareable.fm. This is Rogue. I'm your host, Jeff Gibbard. Who are you and what is your superpower? My name is Jeff Harry with Rediscover Your Play and my superpower is I give permission for others to play. Many people that have not played in a very long time. So this isn't something as simple as saying, I give you permission to play. This is obviously something that's much more important than that. Yeah, it's this idea of I'm the most, I, I give permission through my own actions, right? So not only do I like facilitate like play, but it's more the idea of like, I'm the ridiculous person in the room. You know, I think I've mentioned this before, like plays the opposite of perfection, right? And perfection's like ego and shame and like looking proper. I walk into a room and I'm an idiot. Like I am ridiculous. I am silly. I do, I'm wearing a freaking Lego bow tie. All right. You know, and I wear this, you know, I, I first started wearing this as a joke. Like it was like a dare by someone to go to a conference. And I was like, I'll just wear it. Um, but then I realized the conference was so much better because like by wearing this ridiculous thing, it gave permission for other people to be like, oh, I don't have to be my professional self with you. We can just nerd out on like Star Wars and Avengers and like Lego. And I would just have the most interesting conversations. So then I just started wearing it everywhere, like on planes and just like to the grocery store. And you just see that because this is just one example of like ways in which many times I give permission for people to be like, yo, you can be your nerdy, weird, strange self. That's who I, I'm not. I'm, there's no, this is the no judgment zone. You know why? Because this is the nerdy zone. I love it, man. I love it. I, I, um, I am a fan of people who do what you do. I, I remember once I went out to a bar with friends of mine and uh, I was wearing a bathrobe because it was a costume party. I went as the dude from the Big Lebowski mm-hmm. and you could just feel when we walked in and all of us were in costume. But when I had the, the robe on people, you know, it struck up so many different conversations right. and I go to uh, networking events and I wear superhero shirts right. and it's to the people who are like feeling kind of stiff and stuffy. Like, Oh, this guy's probably really easy to talk to. Right. Right. You have a t-shirt kind of, on. You're yeah. not trying to impress anybody. Yeah. You know, like, I hate all that stuff, all that, you know, like, it's so crazy when you go like, because we're going to be going to conferences again soon. Right. Have you ever been at a conference where everyone's stiff at the beginning, super stiff, especially the vendors, right? Mm-hmm. And then by the end of the conference, man, vendors are giving away everything. At the beginning, they weren't giving away anything, you know, and people are all, all of a sudden like, like connecting and talking, but it's like, it's like high school all over again. And if you go in there and you're the first person to lift the veil and be like, let's not do high school, everybody. Like, let's just not, because none of us liked high school or it wasn't that enjoyable. So why are we doing, why are we bringing back that trauma? And let's just like not take ourselves so seriously. It gives a lot of freedom for people to all of a sudden be like, oh yeah, I'm, I can be real. Yeah. All right. So you have this superpower that gives people permission to play. Mm -hmm. How does that make the world a better place? Why is that superpower important to the world? I love going to the quote from Howard Thurman, don't ask what the world needs, ask what makes you come alive. Because what the world needs is for more people to come alive. And when I am truly in my flow state, 
getting other people or helping them rediscover their play or helping them rediscover their flow, right? All of a sudden they're doing the thing that makes them come most alive, which then is impactful to the rest of the world because then it gives permission for the next person to do the thing that makes them come most alive. And it has this ripple effect. You know, I was saying this at a, on a, a separate podcast of yours where, you know, people are always like, well, I just want to have an impact. I just want to leave a mark before I leave this earth. And I think a lot of times we think we have to do something grandiose and it's like, nah, dude, you just got to embrace your full nerdy self. Because when you do that, oh, dude, when you do that, like, come on. I'll, and, and I'll give you concrete examples. These are three concrete examples. I have to actually make a video about this. So this is good that I'm saying this. There was this guy named, I forgot what his name was, but I think his name was like Dogface or something like that. But he got famous on TikTok for skating and drinking a Schweppes bottle. That's it. It was a 15 second clip. This guy was down and out, really couldn't, you know, it was just nothing was going really well for him. But at this moment when he was riding on his skateboard, drinking his Schweppes, and it was like playing this like, you know, nice song, um, this famous song that I don't even know the name of it. Wait, wait, this is the dude uh, that was drinking the cranberry juice. Cranberry, yeah. Drinking the cranberry juice, and he was listening to uh, Dreams by Fleetwood Mac. Yes, do, 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 yes. That dude went from no one knowing him to that video and multiple videos paid for his house, paid for a house for his mom, got him out of like the trailer home that he was in. Like now all of a sudden, like all these, um, uh, what is it? These uh, marijuana brands like now sponsor him and he just walks around and just does his thing. And like, it changed his entire life. 15 seconds. That's not 15 seconds of him just doing the thing that makes him come most alive, right? You know, um, a, a tech talk friend of mine, uh, CSA Punch, also known her name's Chrissy, um, back in like March of 2020, just started dancing in her house, right? to 90s hip hop videos. No fancy moves, nothing. Just like, just dancing because she just wants to do it gave permission for so many other people to do it. Now she has 800,000 people that follow her and like she's created this community and now this community wants to dance together with each other, right? Like this is, you know, there is, last story, there is this guy named Axel who hopped on the clubhouse last year and didn't like the vibe because it was very ego driven, but he was just like, but I still want to create on this. So I'm going to make these songs and people can go to sleep to these songs. I'm going to make this, and I'm going to call this room, the lullaby room. And he created it and it became the most popular room on clubhouse so much so that now he does a lullaby room for America, Japan, and Europe. And people hop on, listen to him and his friends play as they go to bed. That's amazing. Like this is all people doing things that make them come most alive, just doing their thing, their weird thing. It does makes no sense for why they're doing their thing, but it just resonates, man. And that's what we all need to do. I love it, man. Well, as you know, as a fellow geek, there are three different types of superheroes in the world. So let's talk about this uh, ability you have and how you would categorize yourself. So giving people permission to play, you could be a Superman type. You were just simply born 
making people have permission to play. Like you just net, you came out of the womb, you popped out there. You were, you landed here on earth. The yellow sun gave you the ability to naturally let people have permission to play. It could be that you call, you also could have had something traumatic happen to you at some point in your life. And after that, just instinctually, you had new abilities, a la a Spider-Man. A thing happens to mm-hmm. you. It's now deep-seated in you. You know that you have to use your abilities for good. So you have this latent ability in you, and you decide, you know what? I need, I've always been able to make people uh, feel comfortable to play, so I'm going to do that more. Or possibly, it's the sort of thing where at some point in your life, something happened, possibly something traumatic, and you decide, I'm going to work at this. I'm right. going to learn how to give people permission to play. It doesn't come naturally to me. So maybe I'm more of a Batman type. I have to train and train and train and train and train. And now I've got the abilities and I'm going to use that to make sure Gotham is safe. So you've got the born with it, the sort of uh, something happens to him, you get bit by the radioactive spider and now all of a sudden you have it or you decide to make a change in your life and learn this ability. Which of these three would you say you are in terms of your Ooh, You're not going to like this answer. Well, first off, wait, well, first off, I love the Batman story, but specifically the part no one talks about, which is the training. Yeah. That he did like in like Asia and Europe and studying under Houdini and, you know, and the Ninja Masters, all that stuff. I love that. So my answer, which you're not going to like, is I believe it's a combination of all three. And I'll tell you why. I'll tell you why. Cop out. So, Come on. so, so well, it's kind of a cop out, but you might like this answer better. Okay. So I, I think I was born with it and then I lost it. And then I, and then I had to, and then I basically like worked it back. And I'll tell you the story if you're open to it. I am. Um, and then after I, so I was born with it, I lost it. Then I had to work to get it back. And then when I finally got it back, that's when I started doing the Batman training of like, okay, I'm all in to do more and more training to get even better at this. Right. So you're like so, basically saying you're Superman who landed here on Earth. And affected by the yellow sun, got bit by a radioactive spider, and then decided after that to start training like that. Then forgot, yeah, I lost it. And then somehow, luckily, the radioactive, yeah. So um, uh, let me see. Okay, so let me tell the story, but I'll try to tell the short version because I don't want to take up too much of your time. Um, what part? Usually I do this, it's like, so this is called the world's, I mean, this is called my most embarrassing story of my teenage years. Mm-hmm. Usually it's like 13 minutes, but I'll tell this in five minutes. So this is seventh grade, right? I, I'm so excited to go into seventh grade because everyone, you know, like is playing, right? I'm so excited to like hang out with my friends and play. So like, I remember going to the playground that day and being like, I'm gonna play Foursquare. I can't wait to play Foursquare. I love freaking Foursquare. This is my year for Foursquare. And I remember coming out onto the playground, which you all remember in junior high. And I went to the Foursquare place and no one was there. And I was like, why is no one there? So I ran over to Jimmy and, and Ryan and I'm like, hey guys, you wanna play Foursquare? And they're like, no, 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 we're not gonna play Foursquare. You know, um, and I was like, okay, you know, but then like, I think Ryan said to Jimmy or something like that, do you like, do you know that uh, Charlie's dating Samantha? And then do you know that, you know, Hannah's with Bob? And I was like, so do they want to play Foursquare? Like, I'm just trying to get an idea, guys, of like, what's going on? Are we playing? Is someone playing? Right. And 
the reality was like they weren't playing that game anymore. They were playing like this new game, which I did not know, which was the game of being cool. And apparently they had already voted on who was cool and who was not during the summer. And I was not up high on that list. So I'm like, yo, this, what, what is this game? This game sounds horrible. So I'm like, I'm not going to play this game. I'm going to go play Foursquare. No one's there every day. Go out. No one ever comes. Finally, I was like, fine, I'll play cool. I'll be cool. Fine. I'll do that. What, what do I need to do in order to do that? And I clearly remember someone being like, you know what you need to do? And this is when I had hair, right? And then we were like, you need to grow bangs, and I was like, what? And it was like, all the guys that are dating and getting girls have these like cool, you know, the Justin Bieber bangs that you like flick out of your hair. Now, mind you, I'm a black dude. I am a black Filipino dude with like a fro. And I was like, there's no way I can have bangs, but I still tried. I stole my sister's Vidal Sassoon mousse and I would put it in my hair and shove it down so that it would like cover my eyeball it was so embarrassing dude and the problem was by six period i don't know if you know moose but by six period it dries up and when it dries up that bang turned into like a raccoon's butt <laughs> that would just emanate out of my forehead and i was like hello ladies and they'd be like oh gross that's so gross you know and then even at one point they even like at one point they were like okay you're gonna date hannah because she's asian you're asian like this was how like ridiculous and like uh because this was predominantly white uh high school or junior high right anyway okay so i dated this person it was horrible you know she eventually broke up with me because i wrote too many notes i didn't know what i was doing um and then i remember i was like okay you know i've now dated someone i now have bangs like I'm eating gum, so my breath's all minty all the time. Am I cool now? And they were like, this, basically this guy was like, no, nah, unless you go to this pool party. And I was like, what fucking pool party? And they're like, Ryan's having this pool party. And anyone who's anyone is going to go to this pool party. I was like, okay, I got to go to this pool party. So I remember, and they were like, oh, it's invite only. We're in seventh freaking grade. So then I remember going up to Antonio, who I knew was going to the pool party. He was like, yo, Antonio, can I go? with you to this pool party it was just like well, maybe you're gonna have to do a bunch of stuff for me so i ended up having to like get him lunch and like walk him around and like basically pass notes for him i was just like kissing up to him so i could go so you know i'm like am i gonna get to go or not so the night of the pool party antonio picks me up i am amped I have my pool robe. I'm excited. I'm as excited as like, I'm like almost like going to Foursquare. Like I can't wait to get to this pool party. There's going to be a pool. People are going to be swimming. It's going to be amazing. Um, and we drive up and I remember getting out and we're 20 feet from the entrance. And, you know, we get out and we start walking like it's 90210, like that slow motion walk with the putting in a towel, throwing the towel over her shoulder. And I'm feeling so cool. It's me, Antonio, and Joy Via Gomez. And then we, we were 10 feet away. And I'm like, this is going to be the best ever. And then we're like five feet away. And then I see like Keith and Ron and a bunch of guys in front in an argument with like Ryan and a bunch of other people. And Keith and Ron happen to be black. And I, it wasn't, if it was Ryan or whoever it is, but someone basically said to them, you're not coming in here. We're not letting any niggers in this party. 
what? Yeah. And I remember like this, like, just punched to the stomach. And then I felt as if like water like filled up to my knees and froze. And I was just like, I can't move. And it was like, I was five feet away. And then Antonio like turns to me. He's just like, yeah, we're good. I'm like, I'm not good, dude. You're going to get in this party, but like, I'm not. And I don't know where I am. I don't even know how to get home from here. Like, like, you don't understand. Like I'm thinking all these things. And then Antonio and Joey are, you know, go all the way up there and we get to the front and, and then, you know, Ron and them have like walked off because they're like super pissed off. I'm just sitting there and I'm like, I gotta get into this party, dude. And Antonio and Joey like look at the guy and the guy like looked at Antonio, looked at Joey and then like looked at me and was like, you know, is he black? And they were like, no, he's Latino. And I just was quiet. I was just like, I just got to get in. I don't care I get in. I'm just going to get in. And I remember they were like, all right. And they were so nonchalant, you know, how they did it. They were like, yeah. Like, but for me, it was everything, just getting accepted. So I remember walking across the threshold into the door, right? And everyone's talking and everyone's like, you know, you know, it's like the party's going on and all these cool people that I wanted to hang out with. And I remember as soon as I walked across, I felt like I left myself back there. Like I abandoned myself like on the street. And then I remember going into the pool because no one was playing. No one was in the pool. And I remember going into the pool and just sinking down and being like, this is the loneliest I've ever felt. And then from then on, right after that, I was just like, I am never going to try to be cool again. I'm just going to, I'm just going to play. And what I did was then I ended up going to my basement, kind of like a basement like this. And I just started making up games for myself and just hanging out alone. And then some of my friends found out that I was like hanging out, playing like video games and just doing nerdy stuff in my basement. And then they started coming over because they also didn't want to be cool. And then what ended up happening was then my place became the place where you didn't have to be cool. It was the one place where you could be your nerdy, weird self. Which actually I think made it cool. Which actually, yeah, exactly. And then the ironic part is I do the same thing now. I do the exact same thing now, dude. It's just like, and that's just how it played out because I, I was like, I can't, I can't do this no more. Like I just so, can't. So your origin story is that basically you were someone who liked to play as it was. Mm-hmm. Then you had this traumatic event where play basically was rejected and you felt like you had to walk an alternative path. You walk mm-hmm. the alternative path and you come crashing into the realization that you left your authentic self behind and decided it was time for a change to embrace my true self. And you decided to start doing that. Yeah. And, and that brought you to the point where you started to embrace play. And then later on, as you, you went through other stages in your life, you got to a point where you started to like really train on it and learn how it worked at a deeper, deeper, deeper level. Yes. Almost as if I left my inner child on that stoop. And then I realized how important my inner child, my intuition was And then since then, I've been doing all these things to not only just heal the inner child, but build a relationship with it. And then basically helping others to be like, yo, your inner child is where all those answers that you're looking for. 
whenever I say like, you know, all the answers that you need, you, you already have, you just simply need to play enough in order to figure them out. That's your inner child. So now let's talk about that because the part of uh, the, the, we're at the critical juncture here in Rogue, which is where we're going to talk about how your superpower works. Mm-hmm. And uh, what we really want is for people to be able to walk away from this episode knowing how to let others feel comfortable playing while also hopefully giving themselves the space to, yeah. to others play. But how can people walk away from this episode, understanding the secret of that superpower. How does it work to give people permission to play? So you have to first understand where, why you don't play anymore, right? And just to give a brief context, the reason you probably don't play is 148,000 no's. What do I mean by that? By the time you reach the age of 18, you heard the word no approximately 148,000 times, according to certain studies. And you've heard the word yes between eight to 10,000 times. Wow. Then, you go to, then you go to school where you're told to raise your hand all the time and ask for permission. And then you have adults that are constantly shooting on you. You should do this. You should do that. You should be a doctor. You should be like, you know, a lawyer. And you're like, I'm six years old. Why are you giving me advice at six years old? But, you know, and then you get to your teenage years and especially for Gen Zers now, but we we're dealing with this as well. You get inundated with more information in a day than most people got in the 1950s in an entire year. Right. And most of that information, what is it telling you? You're not enough. Don't play. Keep buying stuff from Amazon and keep binge watching Netflix. So that's it. Like just keep, keep consuming. But the one thing you should not do is be you. So that's what you're up against. So we first have to like give ourselves a certain level of empathy of like, you know, why don't I not play and don't play shame. Like don't shame yourself for not playing. But then, and I think I mentioned this earlier. Well, wait, before we get to the next step, yeah, break that one down real quickly. If we could, you discover the reasons why you don't play. It's probably a lot of the different things that you mentioned. Mm -hmm. Once you uncover that, maybe, and maybe this is the next step. What do you, what do you do with that information? How do you address it? How, how maybe um, do you go searching for those answers of why you stopped playing? Because I, I think where you're going is that you're going to need, you need to understand playing yourself if you're going to allow it for others. Yeah. Just like, yeah. Because, because but, but playing- what's the piece there that somebody can tangibly go do to learn how to better um, understand what's stopping them and then what to do with it next. Well, so th- th- that first part, I only mentioned that as a, as a way of understanding and giving yourself empathy, really, of just being like, let me not beat myself up for being like not playing correctly because there's no such thing as playing correctly. Like, and remember, I define play as any joyful act where you forget about time, right? Where there's no purpose or result. So anything that brings you joy could be play that could be reading that could be skydiving like it's whatever your thing is right but then the the step that i was going to get to next and this is where we're tapping into the inner child part um is and i mentioned this before on another podcast is the idea of getting bored and what i mean by that is you have to identify you can't play in an anxiety-ridden state right So you can't, so you have to first identify, okay, what soothes me? What calms me down? Because I can't play when I'm angry. I can't play when I'm sad. 
okay, let me see what, you know, what actually, so, oh, I have a lot of great ideas when I'm like doing a bubble bath or I'm showering. I have a lot of great ideas when I'm writing, you know, I'm doing morning pages. I have a lot of great ideas when I'm like on this random walk getting lost or dancing in my house or making a TikTok video, whatever the thing is that actually soothes you. And then once you soothe yourself and be like, okay, I'm calm. Okay, I'm relaxed. I'm fully present in this moment. Maybe it's meditation, whatever it is your thing. Then you allow yourself to get bored, which is block out all of that information that's, you know, social media, Netflix, YouTube. And then again, like I said yesterday, like only 30 minutes to an hour. I'm not asking you to do it forever. Just asking you to get, allow yourself to get bored and start to hear that inner child, hear that intuition and it's going to start whispering these nerve-sided ideas, these ideas that are going to make you nervous and really excited and also be like, that's kind of crazy, you know, and you actually start to do those things. So maybe it really is like, I'm going to walk up to this stranger and talk to them. Oh, I'm going to email this person I've always wanted to email. I'm going to go do um, an, an open stand up open mic. I'm going to start a podcast. I'm going to make my first video ever. Like whatever the thing is, whatever the crazy idea is, you do it and you don't do it for the result. You do it because this is the challenge to allow for expansion. It's this idea that now you're like, you're playing in this pool of uncertainty and you realize what fear is, right? Fear, the acronym of fear is false evidence appearing real. And you realize like everything that you've always wanted is on the opposite side of that fear, right? You know, as, as, as Will Smith would say when he went skydiving, you know, it's just like all the stuff we've always wanted is right there but we have to sit in that pool of uncertainty in order to do that. And the more you are listening to your inner child and actually doing what it's suggesting, the more you start tapping into it and the more you start tapping into your play. So to recap where we currently are in the process, then first step is to understand what's stopping you from playing. Once you understand that and you've got a general sense of what stopped you from play, you need to deliberately indulge in boredom. And letting your mind come to a point where it starts to think uh, the random thoughts, where you start to tap into that inner child that wants to do crazy things and mess around and have fun and, uh, you know, think up creative ideas. And then you want to indulge in that so that you can confront the fear that has been stopping you from doing that. Because once you understand these things, I'm assuming when we go to the next step, which is to give people permission to play, right? You really need to understand what are the various things that might be stopping others so that you can create the conditions to, to liberate them to have that freedom to play. Right. And then, and then tying in, tying into the Blackfoot uh, hierarchy of needs that I referenced the other day is now you've hit on your self-actualization stuff, right? Now we're going to try to get into community actualization. So this is another thing you can do with your friends to help you find your play as well. You ask your closest friends, three to five, your closest friends, these two questions. And I recommend like doing it over the phone or over Zoom so you can see their face. And you're asking these two questions. What impact have I had on your life? Another way of asking is like, what value do I have? 
what value have I brought to you, your, your life, right? Like, why are we friends? But really the question is like, what impact have I had on your life? Because a lot of times we forget, right? And then the second question is, when have you seen me come most alive? And another way of asking that is like, when have you seen me most playful, most creative, most myself? And when you get the answers back from what impact have I had on your life? And when have you seen me come most alive? They're going to give you all of this like, love and appreciation. You're like, oh my gosh, that's how I impacted your life. Oh my gosh, I didn't even realize I did that for you. That is how I come alive. That is when I've been most playful. That is when I'm most creative. And you can add those answers back and you write them down. You start to see all these patterns of ways in which you haven't played in a long time. And then you turn back to those same friends and you're like, help me to do this play. Help me to play more in these ways. And by doing that, that also then sparks questions for them because they're like, I want to ask that question as well. And then the ripple effect begins. I like that. I also was thinking as you were saying that, that in addition to asking those questions, proactively answering those questions without even being asked for people mm-hmm. is a way of potentially reminding them, hey, you know, here's some ways that you've impacted my life that I probably have never told you about. Yep. You know that proactively. Hey, you know what I've noticed in our working together is that the time where you seem to come most alive is here. It seems like yep. you're fun, almost like you're playing when we're doing those things. Does that yep. resonate with you? Like kind of almost inception style, planting those yeah. in their mind. This is where you play best. Maybe you should spend more time doing there so that they yep. start to move towards that play. Yep. And you're giving people not only permission, but sort of subtly directing them towards play. Exactly, exactly. And, you, but, and you, again, play is choice, right? So it's more of this idea of like, hey, I'm just observing. Yeah, just making things. them aware of a thing. Just making aware that this is something that's super cool. And then, but then what's really amazing about doing that process is you also then realize what they know about you. Like, you know, you might do this exercise and be like, man, some of my friends know nothing about me. That's good too. Like as long as you find out, you can put this on social media and get answers that you're like, whoa, I never even thought about those answers. But but people feel it. People know it, man. You don't even, it's so interesting that like, and, and I referenced TikTok again, but this idea that, you know, this guy, let's go back to the, you know, the, the, the dog face guy, like he's drinking his Schweppes cranberry juice on his skateboard. The clip is less than 15 seconds and it brought joy to tens of millions of people. Like that's the impact any of us can have at any moment in less than 10 to 15 seconds. And I'll say this, and I can't believe I'm quoting, we bought a zoo, but I am Matt Damon, (laughs) not the best movie, but whatever. Um, In the movie, you know, he says to his son, who's like, you know, like wants to tell this girl that he loves you know, that he's in love with her. And, and Matt Damon, who lost his wife, you know, in the movie was just like, listen, all you need is 20 seconds of like 20 seconds of insane courage, 20 seconds of sheer bravery. And like, everything can change. Everything can change. And like, that's how he met his wife. He just walked into a cafe, looked there and he goes, I don't know why a woman so amazing like you would talk to a man like me, right? And then she goes, why not? And that created that whole relationship. 20 seconds, man. We always have, we're we're always one risk away from changing everything and then becoming Spider-Man, becoming Batman. It's a choice every day that those superheroes make. 
So it's just like, what is your 20 seconds of insane courage that you want to do? I actually right now am logging every day as best as I can, which risk I'm taking each day. And it could be a risk of like me just being vulnerable. It could be a risk of like you and I committing to celebrate our wins, like whatever the thing is, that again is allowing for you to expand and embrace your real superhero powers. I love it, man. And giving people permission to play is definitely one way that um, we can change the world. I appreciate the work that you're doing. I appreciate you coming on and breaking down how that secret super ability works. And I hope those of you listening um, are uh, taking notes and understanding how you go about giving yourselves permission to play uh, one so that you can have more joy and play and, and get into that flow state, but also so you can create it for others because the ripple effect of that is definitely going to, uh, to change the world. So Jeff, how can people get in touch with you when Gotham is in trouble or if they want to hire you to help them play? Yes. So if you want to see some of my superhero mischief, find me at Jeff Harry plays J E F F H A R R Y P L A Y S on Instagram, TikTok, medium, YouTube, Twitter, all of those jammies, LinkedIn, um, and then if you want to tap into your play powers, go to uh, rediscoveryourplay.com and let's hop on a call and figure out how to unleash because the world needs you right now. I mean, straight out as the world needs you and the world needs you to do the thing that makes you come alive. So let's do that. Love it, man. Well, this has been uh, Rogue. I'm your host, Jeff Gibbard. This has been Jeff Harry showing you how his superpower works. <laughs>